Hello and welcome to Hysteria. I'm Erin Ryan. And I'm Alyssa Mastromonaco. Alyssa, what are you doing on this holiday week? Erin, I'm just fruit foraging. That's all I'm doing. I'm just... I'm just looking for fruit at random farm stands, over talking to the farm stand owners. And I think that's it. Maybe I'll watch Downton Abbey. What about you? Mm. Well, it's a good time for stone fruits for sure. You shouldn't be missing out. It's stone fruit season. Who, whose favorite are stone fruits? It's mine and it's yours. Yeah. Yeah. So there are some things coming your way. Oh my goodness. I cannot wait. That's so great. Well, if you see somebody foraging for fruits, Please just be aware that it is Alyssa. This is an APB, nationwide APB. (laughs) It's Alyssa. She's the one foraging. You don't have to worry. Don't be alarmed. This week, we're joined by Julissa Arce and Grace Parajani to answer your questions. Like, how do you handle being forced to spend time with a person who abandoned you when you needed them the most? Is it ever okay to tell somebody that you don't like what they named their baby? And... Is it even possible to celebrate America right now? All this and more right now. And welcome to a very special episode of Hysteria. They're all very special, but this one is special because we're recording it way in advance. Um, Right? Not way in advance, like a week and a half in advance. You know what? We are talking to you from the past, and we just want you to know we're fine in the past, right? (laughs) We'll stay here for a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, we're going to stay here for a bit. You can stay here for a little bit in case things have gotten worse by the time you hear this. Um, We're going to do a special episode today where we take your questions and we offer you solicited advice. Life is full of unsolicited advice, but sometimes you just want someone else's opinion. And sometimes that opinion is going to be our opinion. And we are happy to share it with you today. Um, I'm really excited about the crew we have. One of them uh, offered herself up as an uh, as a as a giver of solicited advice. She's an author whose latest book, "You Sound Like a White Girl," is now available. Julissa Arce, welcome to the show. Thank you. You also offered not only advice. You were like, "I will give you sex advice." Well, I was just saying, if you have sex questions, I will try my best to answer them. And, you know, I am um, not going to be afraid of the sex questions. Let's talk about sex. Let's talk about money. You calling me out because I don't <laughs> like sex questions? I Happy fourth to you. Happy fourth. Listen, uh, if the chancla fits, the chancla fits. I don't know. <laughs> well, listen, just open up my book, Jaleesa, to the sex chapter where there is one sentence that says, I have nothing to say on the matter. <laughs> Oh man! Well, we're we're glad we have at least one person who will say the S word on this podcast. Um, <laughs> up next, you know her, you love her. She's been an OG for hysteria. She's back this week. She's wearing braids. She looks super cute. Grace Parajani, welcome. Hello, guys. I got braids in my. You know, it's just one of those days where your hair is not cooperating. You use a new hair gel that you spent a lot of money on. You think it's going to work out? Doesn't. Doesn't. Just stick to just stick to the CVS hair gel. What are we doing here? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it worked to make your braids perfect. Thank mm-hmm. you. That's true. They, the braids do look good. But in terms of that curl, you know, that I'm going for, which we're always trying to go for texture. It was a failure. But anyway, yeah, I got braids on today. You got to get on the <laughs> resource curls. I do need to get on the resource curls. I've heard great things about resource. Yeah. The, the founder, 
not only is she amazing, but also has an amazing name, Julissa Prado. So there you go. Ooh. <laughs> I'll support for that reason alone. Did you guys meet at the International Julissa Convention where everybody, all the Julissas get together and they're like, what's our plan for this year? We're going to go kick yeah, ass. Exactly. That's nice. You know, the Joshes did that. There was a Josh convention. Oh, yeah. There was a Josh convention. My Josh didn't go. Uh, yeah, he's got to change his name now. It's a whole legal headache. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, let's get right to the questions because we got a lot of them. So I'm going to start with a real light one. We're going to have Caroline read the questions so that it's easier for you to differentiate between question and answer. So Caroline, why don't you take it away? Okay, this to me felt like the most pressing one. So Kelly asks, how many is too many nudes to have sent to consider running for any office? Asking for a friend. Nudes <laughs> <laughs> of oneself or nudes of uh, somebody else? I think it's just nudes in general. Probably of yourself. Hmm. Alyssa, why don't you take this one? Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure you can imagine I've sent no nudes. One, at the age I might have sent them. There were no phones. <laughs> I feel like if you sent them to the person who's currently your partner, that's fine. I think that if you've got just an album of nudes out in the world, that you're probably tempting people to post them if you decide to run for something. That's just me. I don't know. I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. But then I feel hmm. like you can use that moment. Like if somebody, I mean, you've got to be ready, right? Like if you don't want. Exactly. Exactly. You have to acknowledge your arsenal of nudes and be prepared right. to answer potential <laughs> questions about them. That's a much better, that's a much better direction, Jaleesa. Yeah, and then, if, you know, and then if somebody does kind of put them out there, then you can use that as a fundraising email and be like, look at me. I have been shamed. Give oh me my $15 God. recurring. You know what? You're a fucking genius. This just gave me that a great is. idea. <laughs> Listen, I have learned from the Dems. Only funds. Only funds. That's genius. Is oh my God. In the future, when everybody in Generation Nudes, because I think that most people that were born after, let's say, the year 1978 or so, right? Most people have sent nudes. So, but, and, and we don't want to exclude elected office for those people. We want everyone to be able to run for. So let's fucking leverage it. Only, only funds. We're going to put only our news on only funds. And when we run for office, we are going to raise money off of them. How can this? I mean, this is a good idea. This is this is a it's a constructive idea, right? <laughs> it's constructive. It's not. Re- it's not as reductive as my original advice was. <laughs> I am looking forward to the day when we have our first president who has shared nudes in some variety. I don't think it's happened yet. I'm thinking publicly, publicly, publicly. I don't think it's happened yet, but I do think that it's in the very near future. I don't know. Maybe Biden's got some nudes. Who knows? Oh, don't want to think about that. I I don't want to think about that, but I don't know. I think thing is like, I don't want to, I don't, care. Like I aggressively do not care if a person has like sent nudes of themselves. I aggressively do care if they've sent nudes of somebody else without their consent Mm -hmm. or if they've done Mm -hmm. anything that violates another person's privacy. Um, but I think, you know, go into it, uh, own it 
and uh, as Julissa suggested, raise raise money. Raise off money of it off of it. Necessary. And maybe from here on out, you send the nudes without showing your face. Oh <laughs> yeah, just to be safe. <laughs> yeah, an idea. Tits, tits, and below. Uh huh. Skin or grin. Tits or teeth. Mm-hmm. Skin or yeah. tits or teeth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. All right. Next question. Okay, this is from Anonymous. Is it ever appropriate to tell somebody that their proposed baby name is not great? A few years ago, before my family knew their baby's gender, my brother and sister-in-law were throwing around potential names. One of the boy names they suggested was Maverick, which I'm personally not a fan of. Maverick reminds me of Mel Gibson, who I'd rather not think about, and the NBA, which I'd also rather not think about. They ended up having a girl, and my niece has a cute name, but I can't help but wonder if they were having a boy. Is this person sex in the city? I couldn't help but wonder <laughs> if they were having a boy and planned on using Maverick, would I, as a future kiddo's aunt, have been okay to tell him it stinks? Nope. No. Nope. 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 My reaction when I read the question, my initial thought was like, bitch, no. When you have your own kids, you can name them whatever you want. I want to flag something. One thing. Initials. I had a friend who's like, yeah. I think I want to name my child Beatrice Jane. And I was like, girl, you can't give her the initials BJ. Can't do that. Right? Yeah, no. The name was perfect. A different middle name. That is the only caution. Because once I had a baby name I loved, and Danielle Crutchfield, I hope you're listening, because she ruined it for me. She knows she does. We still joke about it. But, you know, I'm child-free, so it ended up not being a problem. Here's what you can (laughs) do in this particular situation. Can you, do you ladies feel that this friend can say, oh, you know, sorry that Maverick didn't work out, but it's a great name for a dog. That way you deflect. <laughs> that's, I know. That's one way to that put it out of commission. Oh, man. You're not saying it's a terrible name for a human. You're just saying it's a better name for a pet. Mm, I say that that's a really good way to, like, annoy parents. So here's the thing. If you want to have, think about why you feel the need to weigh in on this and what the potential outcome would be. The potential outcome of weighing in on a potential baby name negatively, anything but positivity is just going to annoy the parents. And that's going to impact your relationship with the parents. And that's probably going to impact your relationship with the child. So if you want to have a functional, happy relationship with the parents and child without there being some kind of weird taint around their name, then you should just be quiet about it. I think there's no, there is no good that can come of weighing in on really hating a name. That's that's my take. I agree with that completely. I also think that for parents, there's just going to be some people in your life who are in your life for whatever reason, who are going to hate no the name no matter what, you know? And it's something that I, I imagine that parents have to deal with all the time where mm-hmm. like, I, I feel like there are people in my life, no matter what, you know, if, when I end up having kids, they're just going to bitch about it. They're going to complain about it. So expect that not everyone is going to love the name as much as you do, but it is not their job to say anything. And it's also not your job to be upset about it. If somebody does say something. Mm-hmm. Good point. You could, you can, um, I think that, that one lesson from this is that if you are an expecting parent, don't tell people what you're planning on naming the kid. Don't because people before the, before the baby is born, people feel like they're able to, they have like more leeway in weighing in on these things. And then after the kids here, you can't be like, I don't like what you've named the kid. Totally. Very good point. You can head it off at the pass as, as potential parents by simply not telling anybody, keeping that shit under lock and key. Do not tell anybody. Like we didn't tell anybody, um, 
the potential names we kept very close to the vest. Um, and we did not find out the sex before my daughter was born. So like nobody, there was no opinions about either of those things really flying around, except I did get a lot of people saying like, you should name the baby after me, which I found to be very funny. <laughs> like my sister, my sister, like it, because it was like, obviously a tongue in cheek thing. Like my sister-in-law was like, I think you should name the baby Britta Jr. And it's like, we're not doing that. Okay. <laughs> Let's move on to the next question. Holly asks, now that the world is opening up, I have to deal with a friend who cut me out of her life last year and turned our friend group against me. A little bit of context. I had a terrible social anxiety before the pandemic. COVID didn't help. Said friend was upset that I didn't want to hang out with her. And when I didn't want to see anybody and I was in crippling depressive state because of a soul crushing job hunt, which she didn't want to hear anything about. When she showed up at my house unannounced when I was mid-breakdown, naturally, I didn't answer the door. After that, I was cut out of the friend group text, even after I told her what had happened, that she had um, a mental breakdown. I've since been in therapy, got a new job, and am 100% in a better headspace and want nothing to do with her, but still miss the other friends who were manipulated by her to stop talking to me. Now, a year later, she's still watching my IG stories pretty much daily. And having to see, talk, deal with her is imminent. We're in a group that has a getaway weekend coming up, and I know we're both going. I don't see myself trying to be friends with her, but what do I do? I'll be stuck in the middle of nowhere with this manipulative mean girl who actually turned people against me, and I'm worried she's going to continue to do so, especially once we're around more mutual friends who don't know what happened. What should I do? Mm. I mean, first, how were these, I'm putting them in quotes, other friends in the friend group so easily turned against her when she explained she was suffering. Like, are they really friends? Like, why are you hanging out with these other people is kind of my question. This sounds oh, complicated. This, you know, it's, it's complicated because I, I agree. Uh, I, I just think that my, my impulse would be to cut and run from the whole group. If yeah. You're in, involved with, with anybody who makes you feel less than who doesn't understand um, you know, that you might be suffering or going through something to, to cut you off and then to speak ill about you to other people. I'm confused because she, I don't think she should be hanging out with these friends, but she's still going on this trip, which I mean, by the way, if you can still get out of that, I would say do that. It doesn't feel like this is a group that is worth salvaging any friendships with as a, as a whole. Maybe there's individual friendships within the group that are worthwhile, especially if, as, as our listener alluded to, they don't necessarily know the entirety of the situation. But I don't think that, I don't think that a good friend is worth any of this drama. And I think that the, the older that we get, there's no, there's no reason, especially, you know, to put yourself through social situations where you have to confront people who been actively mean to you. I say the age thing because I know in high school in particular, yeah. it's really, really, really tough to mm -hmm. distance yourself just by virtue of having to be in the same place with people on a day-to-day -day basis. But presumably this is a, a listener who's, who's not in a situation like that where you have to both sort of work and or go to school with people who you, you know, also can elect to be friends with. I, I'm really sorry that you're having to deal with that, but it's not normal, by the way, this kind of like inner no. group friend yeah. drama is so not normal. So the fact that our listener is flagging it and feels uncomfortable with it, that's right. It's good to be listening to those instincts. And I think that the, the instinct to be upset is absolutely accurate. And I think that the, the um, just being compelled to walk away to salvage your own sense of self-worth, yes, and also just mental health is is the direction that I would take. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
You know, here's here's a couple things I wanted to add because Grace and Alyssa both gave great advice. Um, I think that social anxiety is something that a lot of people don't understand, and mm-hmm. um, that 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 people sometimes mistake as you know you being dramatic or grouchy. I sometimes get social anxiety. Uh, I am not an extrovert. I know that I that sounds very rich considering that I talk for a living and I write for a living and I am very comfortable in front of crowds. I am not super comfortable in a lot of social situations and I totally understand the social anxiety thing. I also want to commend you for going to therapy um, because that's it's hard to find a therapist and the fact that you found one that works and that you're committed to it, you got a new job, you're in a better headspace. Like it sounds like you're doing great. It sounds like you don't need the people who mm-hmm. cut you out of out of mm-hmm. your life. Um, and I want to say it sounds like you like yourself more now than you did then. And my advice would be, and this is, again, coming from somebody who I believe has a natural tendency to be an introvert and avoid social situations. I would say go ahead and cancel the going on the Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Take that to use that weekend, use that time to go on a trip and be friends with yourself because you mm-hmm. like yourself better than you did yes. at the beginning of COVID. Being friends with yourself is such a good exercise as you become an adult. Traveling by yourself is some of the best memories that I have had out of my adult life. I think that it can be really uh enriching, really fun do whatever you want the whole weekend, like, you know, be in a hotel by yourself. Like, that's awesome. Um, That would be my advice. But if you cannot get out of the group trip, use it as an opportunity to challenge yourself to just hold your head high. Be polite. Mm -hmm. Just have superficial, polite interactions with this person. You don't need to go deep. You just need to get along. You can even set a countdown clock in your phone. Like, this is how many more hours I have to be around this person. Don't don't engage them if there's if they send you any negativity at all. Um, just gray rock them. Just give them short, concise answers. What do you mean by that is a question that you should have in your tool belt. If somebody says something passive aggressive, what do you mean by that? It's like a, an easy way to cut conversations like that short. Um, yeah. So my advice is is first of all, don't go on the trip if you can avoid it. If you must go on the trip, just just skip through it. You know, you, you don't, you don't need to go deep. You don't need to solve this problem. I don't think that it's a solvable problem. You just need to get through the weekend. If you've already spent money on it and you're kind of feeling like, well, I've already spent money on it. I would still say like, think about how much your own kind of mental health is worth and and it's going to be more than whatever money you spend. And, um, I totally agree. Like there's no reason to put yourself in that situation if you're not going to be comfortable. Like I feel like vacation trips are supposed to be a time for us to kind of like refresh, um, you know, feel good, be happy. And if you're not going to be able to even enjoy it because this is going to be hanging over your head, then there's no reason to do it. And the one last thing I was going to say is if you do go and you speak to this person or they approach you to speak to them, I think it's really important that you say, when I needed you most, you turned your back on me. And leave it at that. Water under the bridge, be super pleasant. But you have to, if this person engages with you, you have to, you will feel so strong and so much better if you just let them know what they did. And it's important for that person to know. Cool. Okay. So next question is also from an anonymous person who's asking, what is the right amount of chill to have when interviewing for your dream job? 
I have an interview next week and I'm trying to figure out how to express my genuine and earnest enthusiasm without coming across like a crazed fangirl. I love this question. Um, I would say you're gonna have to make a split uh, second decision in the moment uh, to figure out, to kind of gauge the person who's interviewing as far as their enthusiasm goes and how receptive you think they might be to enthusiasm. I feel like if I were the person interviewing you, I would be so excited to hear that you have a lot of enthusiasm <laughs> because that's the, I know that that's the energy that I give off. And I feel like I, I meet that kind of energy and really like it versus somebody who's really apathetic. That would not, that would not be great for me. But I also understand that the person who's interviewing you might not have Grace Parra, Jenny, uh, enthusiasm, energy, excitement about whatever it is that, that you're interviewing for. So, um, yeah, I would say if you can do research about the person who is going to be interviewing you to find out maybe there's interviews of them uh, online, if they've done, you know, some prior uh, interviews, I don't know, whatever, in, in the past, or some some sort of like YouTube video you can find of them online. If not, that's fine, too. You can gauge in the moment. But generally, I think it's always wonderful to be enthusiastic. And I would I would think that by and large, it's really exciting for companies to hire people who want to be there rather than somebody who's apathetic and looks at this more as a job, you know, to just make money than than a passion. And Grace, I have only one thing to add to what you said. Show your level of enthusiasm as can be found in news articles or Wikipedia. Don't come in hot with anything on Instagram that you may have seen on them <laughs> yes. or anything like that, that that crosses the Rubicon into stalkerish, you know, but, but I agree. I agree. Enthusiasm, good point. Very good point. Just not like, and your dog is so adorable. I, I, I would leave that at the door. If you're mutuals, I think if you're mutuals, then you can bring that's, up. That's dog. different. That's if different. you mutually follow each other, um, then that's something that you can you can yeah. bring up for sure. Um, Julissa, what do you have to add? Also, remember that an interview is also a time for you to figure out if that's the place where you really want to work. You know, just because like you're really fan of this workplace or this person, maybe it's a you know, when, because I heard her say fangirl, I was like, I don't know if it's she's going to go work for like a single person, you know, versus like a big company. So I don't know what the other context is. Also think of this interview as like, you're also interviewing them, right? And so like, yes, be excited, but also, you know, come prepared with questions that you want to ask them about the workplace, about if it's another employee that you're interviewing with, what they like about the job, what they find challenging about the job. Um, so job interviews are not just they're interviewing you. Like it's also an opportunity for you to get to know them better. 100%. I love that. Mm -hmm. Great advice. Um, next question. Okay. Dana asks, I work in production on a television show in LA. And earlier in the season, we had a guest actor on four episodes that I thought was very attractive. And I'm considering sliding into his DMs. My job was fully remote. Otherwise, I would have met him in person. What's the best way to slide into a stranger's DMs? Ooh, a stranger's DM or like someone who's a colleague, potential colleague. That's different. I mean, I can tell you, I mean, I don't know. I've never slid into somebody's DMs, but I have some thoughts about who you could do that. But I just feel like when it's someone you work with or potentially have worked with and you're in the business... I don't know. I don't know that I would be sliding into the DMs, me personally. I have to agree. I have to agree with that. It's a very small world. It's tricky because you guys are, are co-workers, even though you haven't met, even though this person is very attractive. Um, you never know how they're going to take it. And if you haven't met in person, it's really difficult to, to gauge um, what their reaction might be. So I, yeah. I think I might stay away from that one and trust that if it's 
you know, the right thing, it'll happen in some way, shape or form. Maybe there's a wrap party you'll be able to meet at in person. You know, maybe there's some sort of event down the road. Maybe for instance, I think she mentioned this person's a guest star. Maybe they would come back. That's the thing that, that to Julissa's point, mm-hmm. I think it's, it's wise to stay away from the DM thing, because what if, what if you do end up working together again down the road and it's either not met with the kind of enthusiasm you want, or there's just some strangeness because of the fact that there is a bit of a professional um, line that's being crossed. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that's my advice. I say walk before you run here, right? Like, <laughs> do you only want to speak to them because you want to sleep with them? Cause that's creepy and bad. And then you shouldn't slide into their DMS at all. Um, but I think that maybe, you know, I would, I would say that's, it's generally not advisable, but, but if you are going to, and if you must, first of all, check and make sure that it, they're not in some kind of a relationship because then that feels like kind of crappy. Um, so, you know, do a little bit of like social media stalking and see if it seems like this person is already in a relationship. And if that's the case, then don't do the DM slide at all. Um, I feel like that's a, that's a little disrespectful. Um, and if you're going to slide into the DMs, I think telling them something that you genuinely feel positive about when it comes to their work. So if you see that they have like gotten, um, they've gotten cast in something and you think they'll be really good in the role, like you could send them, Hey, you know, it was cool. You know, I was working on X when you were a guest and super cool to see that you got cast in this, in this new project. Congrats. You know, something that you would tell a friend, something that you would tell a colleague that you were happy about. I feel like, I don't want to say that you're being like misleading, but like, you know, test the waters to see if they're even interested in like being friendly with you and uh, say something that is genuinely kind, genuinely nice. Um, if the only reason you want to reach out to them is because you think that they're attractive and you want to sleep with them, I would, I would say don't do it. But if you think that they're like talented and they have other things going for them, then reach out and and start there. But that's like a very narrow set of circumstances and you definitely need to tread carefully here. Hysteria is brought to you by Viore. Tired of boring workout gear? Check out Viore. Viore's versatile and comfy products are designed to look great in and outside the gym, whether you're running, training, or even just lying on your couch, enjoying the fact that your two-year-old child is leaving you alone for five blessed minutes. I love that for Viore. You know what? That seems like a real perk of Viore. (laughs) It is. It's perfect. It's cut perfectly for lying down and just savoring a moment to be left alone. It's great. (laughs) Five stars. No comment. 100% great. That's the type. That's my favorite sport. The new, the women's performance jogger is the softest jogger you'll ever own. Grab one of these new colors before they sell out and check out the women's daily legging, which features a high waist drawstring tie and upgraded no slip fit. All things that are absolutely essential in a legging. Essential. I love these leggings. They are, because you know, like not everybody's the same, you know? So Mm -hmm. it's like, I need a little bit more room around my booty. So I, size up a little bit, but then it's t- usually too big in my waist. And so now I just, just pull that drawstring. 
And exactly. I don't show I don't show any crack when I bend over. <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. See, you have your baby and I have my butt crack. <laughs> <laughs> For guys, there's the men's core short, the most comfy lined athletic short out there, and the men's Sunday performance jogger. Oh my gosh, Alyssa, my brother, who I have given Viore performance gear to. Yes won an ultra marathon over the holidays. I saw that. That is so incredible. He ran 80 miles in the freezing cold. I don't think he was wearing his Viore core shorts because that would be dangerous. Dangerous. But, but he he loves wearing them to train, and uh, I'm so proud of him. I'm so pr- Viore played a role in his ultra marathon win. <laughs> Uh, plus, Viore is 100% offsetting their carbon footprint and reducing and offsetting 100% of their plastic footprint from 2019 onwards. Viore is an investment in your happiness. For our listeners, they're offering 20% off your first purchase. Get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash hysteria. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash hysteria. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Go to fiori.com slash hysteria and discover the versatility of Viori clothing. Holiday asks, how do you know when your methods of escapism, i.e. reality TV, rom-coms, Candy Crush, are no longer helping to decompress but allowing you to check out in maybe a not-so-helpful way? When does relaxing become toxic disengagement? Well, you know, actually, to, to that point, I, I don't think anybody should ever apologize for just wanting to relax. Really, I truly don't. I, I, I think that it is it is underutilized. I think it's underreported. I think it's viewed as a negative in our culture and our society when it really should be embraced because rest and relaxation is what allows us to be productive and to be present. Um, so if you're worried that you're doing something too much, I don't, I really don't think you are. Um, as far as the specific type of relaxation goes, though, interesting i would say just while you're thinking grace yeah yeah um, yeah that you know i feel like i went through this uh there was a period of time where i felt like i was just like watching tv so that i wouldn't have to think about what was going on in my life you know i didn't want to deal like in earnest deal with the things that were going on in my life and so i did use you know whether it was like I was eating too much or watching too much TV or drinking too much. Um, And then I didn't feel good about myself. You know, then like the next morning, I just didn't feel good about myself. So I would say that for me, it seems like that line is crossed when you start to not feel good about yourself. And then maybe it is time for a change. Uh, You know, maybe you can find other ways to relax that will make you feel better, right? Like I started going on walks in the evening instead of just like going straight from work to watching TV. And that walk helped me relax and it also made me feel good about myself. So yeah, I I don't think you ever need to apologize for relaxing, but if the ways in which you are relaxing are not making you feel good about yourself, then maybe try other ways to relax and then you can come back to those things later when you're feeling a little bit better. Mm -hmm. Like that. So- here's here's like a little bit of an analogy. So my cat, my beloved 18-year-old cat, Eleanor, um, is sometimes she's gone through phases in her life where she's been like a little nervous kitty. And during those phases, she will lick the same spot on her back over and over again. 
And one time she licked all the fur off and I had to like put ointment on it and whatever. Don't get to the point where you're licking all the fur off in the same spot. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, Karen, do you know what yes. that's called? Do you know what, what? that's called? What? Fur It's called fur mowing. And okay. Fat Norm the cat does it too. Yeah. So, well, she was fur mowing and yeah. it was like she was just going to tr- the same place to soothe herself over and over again. And I think that she ended up kind of hurting herself. And I think that's sort of what you're talking about um, when it comes to like going to the same soothing things over and over again. I think one thing that I can recommend is if your self-soothing involves screens, try to figure out a way to not have it be screens for just short periods of time. Like um, I have to sometimes just put on a podcast that has nothing to do with the news and put on headphones and like walk around and do stuff. Um, so I don't look at screens. Sometimes I'll take a a magazine that I really like. Like I subscribe to New York Magazine and The Atlantic and uh, I'll take an issue with an article that I was really looking forward to reading and go into a room where there are no screens for me to look at and read all the way through an article. And like sometimes that's enough to just get me unstuck a little bit. Just do something that relaxes you, that unsticks you from the typical routine and see if it if it also, if it makes you feel better, I think is, is a, a good exercise. I have to co-sign magazines, by the way. I have a couple subscriptions myself and I find that it's it's, fant- it's fantastic. Even if I sometimes, you know, usually when you subscribe to a magazine, you also get the digital version. And so having access to those articles when they come out online is sometimes wonderful too. But the, the physical, the, the process of actually being able to like distance from a screen and to read something in print feels wonderful. And most magazine subscriptions are like 12 to 20 bucks per year. It's really, it's affordable. It feels fun to get it in your mailbox. It's kind of helping this industry that I think in some ways is like sort of underutilized and good journalism, of course, is is just, you can't ever pay enough for it. So um, I have to co-sign that. I love that as a way to unstick yourself. Mm -hmm. And newspapers. I love, I love a newspaper. Mm, Yeah. I love a Sunday newspaper. Like you can get (sighs) the whole... And then like work your way down through the stack. You don't have to read every section. You're like, oh, the real don't. estate section. Yeah. Oh, yes. New York Times weddings and and oh, just like yes. how nuts that can be. Or, you know, your local, you know, the Los Angeles Times has great journalism. I love getting a physical copy of the LA Times and reading through that. Um, even though that might not feel disassociative because I'm not looking at a screen. I'm not doom scrolling. I'm just like, mm-hmm. you know. Yes turning pages and stuff. Yeah. So I would say just like, don't look at screens for a little bit sometimes and see if that helps for sure. Books are also a great way to disconnect. So there you go. Lots of summer reading lists. Totally. Oh, you know what? Physically move to a, to a different location. So if you're at home doing all this stuff, you know what, you know what rocks? Libraries. Yeah. Totally library. Like most most like municipalities, cities have at least one like incredible library. LA has a library downtown that is like so Oof. cool. Yeah. And um, the West Hollywood Library. Oh my also gosh. Nice. That one's amazing. But mm-hmm. like you can find out, you know, if you live in a place with multiple libraries, you could just like go on your local like subreddit and see which library people like the best. Or you can like read different reviews on Google and see which library people like the best. See if there are any hidden gems. Like Make it sort of a project. Take a field trip with yourself. I think that can sometimes help unstick as well. 
Cool. Okay. Lauren asks, I've been living outside of the U.S. for five years. I'm now located in Berlin, and I'm still hugely into U.S. politics and do some work with Democrats abroad. Here's my issue. Half of me feels the urge to move back to the U.S. to help work on everything that has gone to shit because watching it from afar is infuriating. The other half of me knows my rights as a woman and my access to social services and great health care are far safer in Germany. Any advice? Should Democrats living abroad all move back to help save democracy? Hmm. You have to do what's best for you. Same, Julissa. Yeah. Because listen, there's a lot of people in the U.S. And like us being here, like doesn't mean that things are changing. You know what I mean? Like you can create change for anywhere that you are. Like even if you're in Germany, you can still um, donate money. You can still... Um, share things. You can't, you can still like, you know, I mean, depending on sort of like the time zone difference, but there might still be a window when you can do phone banking and like, there's still things that you can do from abroad. And if being abroad is what's helping you stay sane and stay healthy and stay happy, then like stay there because ultimately that's all what we're all working towards and fighting for is so that people can lead happy, healthy lives. And if you're doing that already somewhere else, I would just say, continue to do it and find ways to help from afar, which you can do. Yeah, I agree. I think that unless you are like literally Batman and you're the only one who can save Gotham and you have to be here in Gotham in person, you know, <laughs> you, you don't need to subtract from your own quality of life significantly in order to change things. Now, I feel like that's a question that you need to answer yourself. Like, is it, mm-hmm. is it worth like, you know, make, make a list, you know, do make a decision tree, you know, do what you need to do to, to decide whether or not it's worth it. Is there a way for you to just kind of like hit the pause button on your life in Berlin and be in the U S for say like the two months before the election? And would that, would that help what you're able to do in person? Would that actually make a difference to you? Um, but yeah, I think that that's, I don't think that you need to be a martyr here um, Mm -hmm. if you feel like you're able to do some work abroad. And I don't think that you're being selfish by wanting to live a healthy and and safe life. I would never begrudge anybody for not wanting to come back here right now, especially Mm -hmm. somebody who has female reproductive organs. Definitely do what you need to do to take care of number one. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, this is from Alex, who says he's a straight white guy in his 20s um, and knows it's uncommon for him to reach out, but thought he'd try anyway. So Alex asks, what are some things I can do to have more success dating people like you all? Are there things that made your partner spouses stand out when you were dating them? I listened to the show and I believe what I believe regardless of if it wins me dates. I think I'm somewhat decent looking, have a college degree, and work an interesting stable job, but it's hard for me to get second dates. I live in a suburb of a blue city in a red state, if that makes any difference. Mm-hmm. See, 25? I mean, that's one way to slide. He's in, he's in his 20s. Like, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> well, he's, he's 25? He said he's in his 20s. In his 20s. Okay. So here's the thing. Like, I think people put a lot of pressure on their 20s, regardless of their gender and their sexuality when it comes to finding a partner. And while it's totally possible to find somebody when you're in your 20s, I think that I was a bit of a nightmare in my 20s. Same. And that it just took, I I would say anybody in their 20s should just give themselves 
uh, grace and patience. Grace, not the person grace. But you know what I mean? Give yourself, <laughs> yeah, be, be patient with yourself and the people around you because the people that you want to to date might not be ready to get serious about dating. So what you're saying is date older women. Yes. Date older women. Yeah. I mean, yes. seriously, like if you're, if you're seriously, I, there's, if, yeah, date older I women. I mean, um, my, hu- my husband is five and a half years younger than I am. There's a, there's a little spread there. And I think that part of what makes it work is the fact that I was fully, fully right, fully ready to go. You know, like I was a full, complete human being when he met me. And that was interesting and something maybe, maybe, uh, you know, that, that not everybody finds when you're dating in your twenties. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I have to, I have to co-sign that Aaron. I think that's, you know, I also think what I will say is that I, I do think that values are timeless. Values are ageless. And I think that regardless of somebody's, you know, politics or career, or even like what they do on the weekends, there are some values that are going to be instilled in people that uh, they'll have throughout their lives that, you know, maybe what you're looking at is for the person who's like got their careers ready to go. They know how they stand uh, in the, in the world, but maybe what you should be looking for as an alt is, is this, does this person treat other people? Well, does this Mm -hmm. person have a good sense of uh, self as best as they can for for their age? There are things that you can look for now that maybe if, if you shift slightly, you'll end up finding people that aren't fully how they're going to be when they're in their thirties, forties, fifties, et cetera, but will be more aligned with what you seem to be looking for right now. But I also really think that maybe a slightly older woman is the way to go. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm three years older than Fernando. Yeah. I love that. Really? There you go. Yeah. Wow. Um, I, I think that, you know, in terms of the part of the question, like what stood out, um, I remember, so I started dating, I started dating Josh like a week and I met Josh like a week and a half after I moved to LA, two weeks after I moved to LA. And I think what stood out for me with him was that he didn't seem like a person that was trying to prove anybody, anything Mm -hmm. to anybody. Like he was very comfortable with himself. Um, He had a sense of who he was and what he liked. He had, he had like good taste when it came to like, um, music and, uh, and the, you know, art. And he seemed to care about his environment, like his, um, he lived like his apartment. (laughs) This is going to sound very superficial, but he clearly knew how to take care of himself. Like he knew how to cook for himself. That matters. That's not superficial. Like he knew very much so like he knew how to decorate, but that wasn't like, that's not like a make or break thing. Like if he had a you know, a table that I didn't like, I wouldn't have been like, fuck you. But, you know, he clearly like knew how to, he cared enough about his space to take care of it. He cared enough about himself to take care of it without appearing like superficial and up his own ass. Um, He just seemed very comfortable with himself. I wanted to be with somebody who wanted me and didn't need me. And um, I think that a lot of people, a lot of women who have you know, had to fight their way uphill or who have taken a long time to establish a career that they're proud of, uh, don't really want a partner who needs them as much as wants them. Like there's something I think, and this is, this is going to sound very like dating advice, but like, I didn't, I didn't want to, I don't want to be needed. I want to be wanted. And I think that that is a huge thing for me. Um, and I think that that's a huge thing for a lot of, um, forward-thinking, progressive women. They don't want to be somebody's 
mommy. They don't want to be somebody's maid. They don't want to be somebody's entire support system. They want to be a complement to a life uh, that is happy, secure, and complete, but also has room for another fully formed person in it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Alexis asks, what other podcasts besides Crooked Podcasts? Is that Alexis, bitch? (laughs) That was amazing. (laughs) Caroline's digital assistant is like popping off. Uh, Funny. That's amazing. They are essentially asking you, what are your favorite podcasts that you would recommend? What are your personal go-tos and shows you look forward to listening to every week? Ooh, you know what I've been listening to? And I think this is very basic of me, but fucking Smartless, man. Those guys are really funny. They're they have funny. great quality. They're so funny. And they have really, really awesome guests. And uh, they do get vulnerable sometimes. A lot of it is jokey jokey, but I really appreciate when they get vulnerable. And I just, I like it. It's the perfect podcast to put in when you're cooking and you need something that's a little bit distracting, but you don't feel like upset if you miss a little part of the conversation, you know, it's like, it's it's fine. Uh, they They're great. Hmm. Julissa, how about you? Well, there are two podcasts that I really uh, enjoy. Um, one is Latina to Latina, Latina to Latina, mm. uh, which is awesome. It's uh, Alicia Menendez, and she just talks to really incredible Latinas every week who are doing all sorts of things from different walks of life. And I just always learn so much from these women. Like they're they're amazing. All of them. I would I would start from like, I've actually gone back because I didn't start listening to the podcast when it first came out. So I kind of have gone back and listened to like past episodes. Um, and it's like an amazing list. And then the other one that I've been listening to recently is called um, Out of the Shadows, Children of 86. And it's mm-hmm. about the 1986 Ooh. amnesty and how that bill, that amnesty kind of really changed a whole generation of people. It has a lot of personal stories from Patty Rodriguez, one of the hosts, and Eric Galindo, but also a ton of history. And if you've ever heard me on this podcast, you know that I really love me some history. So those two are really good. Highly recommend. Awesome. Um, Okay. So I have like a couple podcasts that I listen to all the time. Um, I just started listening to The Times, which is the LA Times' daily news podcast. It's Mm -hmm. like I... um, have been trying to focus more on like state and local politics in the way that I consume news. And uh, I've been trying to pay a lot more attention to like California politics. That's a good way for me to do it. KQED also has a daily news podcast. That's another California um, public radio station. So I've been trying to listen to more like local and state stuff. If you, you know, wherever you live, there's probably a public radio station that does a daily podcast. And so I would recommend it because, you know, most public radio stuff is super high quality. I also like shortwave from uh, public radio. Uh, that's really, it's really good at science. Uh, radio Lab, I listen to a lot, uh, which is, you know, everybody knows Radio Lab. I love What Next from Slate. I love What Next from Slate. It's so good. It's like indispensable. I love Science Versus. Um, the host of Science Versus has the most delightful Australian accent I have ever heard. And it's fascinating. But here's my like curveball. Um, I am obsessed I don't love true crime per se, but I absolutely love the last podcast on the left, which is a 
It's like three Brooklyn knuckleheads uh, <laughs> who talk about extremely morbid topics. Now, I don't love the serial killer episodes because it's just a little bit too, it's a little too much for me sometimes. But they did a series on pirates recently that was really great. They did a series on the Black Death. It's a, oh a, it's a incredible. They did a Donner Party series that is Whoa. one of the most, it is like, I cannot explain why, but this podcast allows me to totally like just release myself from the news and totally dive headfirst into some horrific thing that happened in history. And I feel somehow comforted by the fact that like, okay, we've moved on. They did a Mormonism series that I'm like at the very end of that's really good. Um, Yeah, I love Last Podcast on the Left. It is extremely irreverent. It is sometimes really uh, over the top. um, And sometimes the jokes do not land. So I'm just I'm just putting that out there. You have to have like sort of a dark sensibility to really enjoy it. But I listen to it whenever I'm just like, I just need a break from everything. And it's just like, it always makes me laugh. It's it's always super funny. Oh, Norwegian black metal. They did a series on Norwegian black metal and like the violence and mayhem in like the 90s and like murders that happened in it. And it is so fucking funny. And and just absolutely love it. So yeah, I'm a big podcast head at basically public radio stuff. And then last podcast on the left are my are my go-tos. Alyssa, what do you have? I think you and I both listen to BBC Global oh, yes. News Podcast. Yes. Because I do like to know what else is happening in the world. I feel like we really don't get enough of that. That's like, I have my break broke down between like the ones that I want to relax to and the ones I like to listen to in the car. I like mm-hmm. Recipe Club with David Chang and Chris Ying and it's like they go through all the different things out there and like 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 the one I'm listening to right now is King's Hawaiian Rolls and they test recipes to try to how to like, try to make King's Hawaiian Rolls. I love that. Molly Ye has Girl Meets Farm which is like a food network cooking show, but I love her and she will make about 3 dishes and sometimes I'll be like relaxing and I'll be like I should make that shakshuka you know then I forget about it and I think I've mentioned before I love uh Lucille Ball did a radio show for CBS in 1964 and it's been released in podcast form and it is uh it is delightful I mean there's some weirdly dated shit don't get me wrong but you know listening to her interview Bing Crosby and Frank Sinatra and Dean Martin and his wife and like and it's such a um it's so interesting to to listen. Uh, my favorite one is when she talks to Vivian Vance, who of course played Ethel Mertz in I Love Lucy. And to hear them talk about like what would happen when they'd fight on the set and, you know, how they clean their homes and how they were going to go visit. Oh, I forget who it was. It was someone incredibly famous. They're like, you know, he's just living on the vineyard now. I mean, like, it's just kind of wild and retro and just like super fun <laughs> and... And, and, you know, they just go back and forth, Lucy, have you ever been to Martha's Vineyard? I think you'd love it. She goes, no, but Ricky and I went to Cape Cod, you know, and it's, it's like, uh, it's just, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. And so those are the ones I tend to have in constant rotation. Amazing. Okay. That's all the listener questions we have time for. I feel like we need to do this more often because it allows us to pre-record and give ourselves a week off. And, and it's also fun. it's fun. Uh, it's fun. I like giving advice when people actually want to hear it you know? Right. And mm-hmm. how many things we would never even think about if people didn't raise them as questions? Yeah. It's like, oh, good, 
Good question. Okay, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about what we are feeling petty about. It's 2024. We're facing another presidential election with huge stakes. You want to help. You don't know where your money will actually make a difference or how to figure that out. Ensure you love to take an edible and not think about it, but you can't because you do care. Let Vote Save America make it easy for you with their new anxiety relief program. Here's how it works. You set up a monthly recurring donation at the level that feels right for you, and Vote Save America will send 100% of it to the grassroots organizations and down-ballot races that need it most. Then, at the end of the month, they'll tell you where your dollars went. That's it. Set it and forget it. Vote Save America has already raised $52,000 in monthly recurring donations. Love it. That's great. From over 1,000 amazing, sustaining donors who've signed up and trusted Vote Save America to make their dollar go further. But we still have a long way to go, and Vote Save America needs your help to get there. Sign up at votesaveamerica.com and enjoy your edible. <laughs> Legal disclaimer, paid for by Vote Save America, votesaveamerica.com, not authorized by any candidate or candidate's committee. Okay, welcome back. Before we get to what we're feeling petty about, a little bit of housekeeping. The Supreme Court's egregious decision to overturn Roe v. Wade has ended the constitutional right to abortion and endangered millions of Americans. You're angry. We're angry. Let's do something about it. From directly supporting patients who need abortions right now to electing pro-choice candidates in 2022 and building a progressive majority over the long term, you can find everything you need to fight back in our Fuck Bans Action Plan Hub at votesaveamerica.com slash row. This week on Strict Scrutiny, Leah, Melissa, and Kate continue their analysis on June's Supreme Court decisions on gun control, abortion rights, and environmental issues and what they mean for the future of our democracy. Listen to new episodes of Strict Scrutiny each Monday, wherever you get your podcasts. The house has been kept. Let's talk about what we're feeling petty about. Um, let's see. Grace, I'm going to start with you. What What are you feeling petty about this summer? I'm ready to go. And I think that this is, um, <laughs> this is uh, relevant to the timing of the release of this pod, which is I... I'm always thrilled for a federal holiday. Don't get me wrong. I don't feel pumped about celebrating America this July 4th. Hmm. I don't, I'm not pumped about it. I mean, I'm proud to be an American. Don't get me wrong, but there are so many times, I mean, especially right now where I'm just like, I don't want to do it. And, and I don't really like, I, I don't know. Does this mean I don't want to go to like pool parties? I just want to sit inside. I don't know what that means yet, but I know that I feel petty about America right now. You know what? That's really not even that petty of a situation. Uh, it's a very real, real, probably justified. Can I tell you something, Grace? Yes. Okay. America fucking owes you the day off. That's all you have to know right now. You are yep. owed the day off on Monday. That's it. You don't have to celebrate yeah. it. They owe you this. Yeah. I have never, I mean, I know 4th of July is Independence Day, but I have never eaten a hog dog and had a beer and be like, this is for you, America. <laughs> like, Agree 100%. Get your pool time, yes. get your pool Maybe time. that's 
that's the vibe. That's the vibe I need to be going for. I mean, I I have I'm going to a pool party this weekend, and I'm like, I don't even want to wear red, white, and blue. Like, I don't. I you know, I'm thinking. Wait, Grace, let's discuss. Is that something you've done in the past? Because we should have a group intervention. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh my god! Please don't tell me you have you have a U.S. flag bathing suit. I don't, but I do have a red bathing suit. So I was thinking, like, oh, do I wear those and then like white? Save it for Valentine's then, like, Day. I yeah. think you're. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that this is a unified feeling. wear a black bathing suit and then you're like I'm mourning mm. <laughs> and, then and make sure That's your bottom morning. has a hand-drawn uterus on it this, <laughs> this 4th of July is an opportunity for women in America anybody in America who has the ability to get pregnant or the parts uh, that that you know the row overturning thing attempts to regulate uh, this is an opportunity for us to take advantage of the fact that we're still allowed to drink outdoors during the day. There you go. Right? There you go. We're mm-hmm. still, at least we're allowed to drink outdoors during the day. Um, and and we should take advantage of that. Um, so, yeah. Enjoy it while we can. Enjoy it. Yes. Enjoy it while you can, for sure. Um, Alyssa, what are you feeling petty about? Okay, guys. So, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, but the chickens came home to roost. Um, I needed to buy a bathing suit. I will withhold the name of the company, okay? But I was like, come on, let's 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 try something new. So I went with a tankini, okay? So I ordered it was seemed like reasonably priced. I mean not reasonably priced, but it was like, I don't know, like $85. And I was like, oh, like the whole bathing suit for $85. So I order it, it comes. There are no fucking bottoms. Oh and no. I was like, what the fuck? And so I go to my order and I was like, oh my God, this was just for the top. So here's what I'd like to say on behalf of women everywhere. Maybe people are much smarter than me. I'm usually a pretty thorough online shopper. If it is just a top you're trying to sell, I feel like, I feel like when you're buying a bathing suit, there should be a drop down bar for what size you want for the top. And then a drop down bar that tells you, because the word tankini to me, did not say no bottom. You know what I mean? I, yes, tankini, of course. I thought it was the whole thing. The whole thing's called tankini. Tankini so anyway, applies the whole, the whole thing. thing. So anyway, my friends up here have started aqua aerobics and I was so excited to wear my new bathing suit to aqua aerobics because I didn't have anything else that fit. Okay, the other bathing suit I have is legit 15 years old. It's threadbare, all right? But it's the only one that fits. And so I showed up and they're all like, we thought you got your new bathing suit. I was like, do, do you think tankini means it comes with a bottom? And they're like, yeah. I was like, well, it doesn't. So then, wait for it. I call up Athleta. And I was like, yo, there's no bottom. Can I order the size in my bottom? And they're like, oh, we're selling out. So I'm like, fine. Give me solid navy. So I have solid navy. I have paid for priority mail so I can have it this weekend. That shit hasn't even shipped. So anyway, it is just an oh, affront no. on top of, the, of an affront on the bathing suit front. And... um. I'm going to be wearing my old, sturdy J. Crew. You guys, it has boats on it. That's how old this baby is. Wow. Okay. Wow. Tar oh, J man. has some amazing Wait, say that tankini again? bathing suits. Tar J. Really? Okay. Yeah. I'm going to check. I'm like, going to check. I went to Walmart to look. All they were my sold out suits, of bathing suits. Tar-J. I went to Old Navy. They didn't have anything. So I'm going to go check Tar J. 
across the river over in Kingston. I'm going to find it. I mean, like every baby, every summer, find the cutest bathing suits, tankinis, all of it. Thank you. Because it's a dire situation up here. I bought something with a skirt last year. I was like, we're not here yet. And that went straight to Goodwill. (laughs) (laughs) Um, okay. I think that bathing suit sizing has a lot of things to be petty about. Mm. It's uh, clearly sometimes, I'm just like, did you talk to a woman before you determined how this was going to be sold, sized, everything like that? You know what? Website photography also has, has to do with the matter too. I agree. And you're like, it's, it's a picture of a, of, of a woman in like a full outfit with, you know, a top and skirt and bracelets. And then it turns out that like what they're selling are the sunglasses that she's wearing. And it's like, (laughs) I don't understand what the picture, the picture should tell me exactly what I'm buying. Nothing more, nothing less. In the tankini, I'm sure it wasn't like a Winnie the Pooh situation where you saw a woman with a top and no bottom, (laughs) right? Like that's 100% correct, Grace. And I went back to double check. I was like. I always yeah. blame myself first. You guys, it was not my fault. That's that's <laughs> not a tankini. That's called a Donald Duck. And that is yeah. illegal. <laughs> that is illegal to wear in public. Um, oh, thank you for the therapy. I'm trying to think of like what I'm feeling particularly petty about this summer. Um, oh, you know what? I'm feeling petty about another car-related situation. Um, okay. Last summer, I, I got a car and I just basically was in a situation where I was like, I have to get a car that can accommodate like a car seat and, and stuff. And so I must get something that is bigger than a regular car because whatever. So I got an, a new car and I got what was on the lot because there's like car shortages. And I was like, okay, well, whatever. And the car that I got has like heated seats and a heated steering wheel. We don't need that anymore, guys. We're living in a time of climate change. We need seats that cool themselves. I don't need a heated seat. I, I love need to cool the self-cooling seats. Mm-hmm. I need yeah. something that's going to, even if it's not going to be like cold on my my butt or my the back of my legs when I get in, I need something that is not going to become volcanically hot. I have one of those sunshades that goes in my front window. I have like one of those side shades, but still the seats get super duper hot. I just need car companies to stop just like including heated seats as though it's this luxury thing that everybody wants or a heated steering wheel. I have used the heated seats thing a a total of two times and one was to play a joke on Josh. Like I just turned the turn the heated seat on and I wanted to see how long it would take him to notice that his like seat was becoming warm under him as he was driving. Um, it wasn't that funny of a joke, but you know, I, I got a kick out of it. Um, but yeah, I just, I feel like we need different options. And, you know, even if cooling the seats is something that's really energy inefficient, maybe there's something we can do with like changing the way the windows are shaded or something that will help keep the seats from getting super, super hot because I am surprised more people do not sustain injuries sitting on car seats after the cars have been parked for any amount of time during the summer. So that's what I'm feeling petty about this week. Uh, Julissa, what are you feeling petty about this week? Okay, this is like, I feel like it's old news, but I'm particularly feeling petty about it right now. So I'm going to bring back those old news, which is that I feel very petty about Apple products at the moment because (laughs) why do my headphones that go into my phone, which are the new headphones, don't plug into my MacBook Pro 
And yeah. then the AirPods, like they work sometimes, they don't work sometimes. The Apple interface for Apple TV Plus is horrendous. You can't even like, there's not even like a little preview when you're fast forwarding. If I watch something, it doesn't remember that I've been watching it. So I have to start the episode all over again from the beginning. What is up with Apple products? It's like, I thought it was supposed to be, you know, the ecosystem and everything, as long as you're in the ecosystem, everything will work. Everything will be great. And uh, as an Apple shareholder, I'm very concerned about what Apple's doing right now. Get your shit together. Mm. Make shit work together because that's the whole point of an ecosystem is that things work together within that ecosystem. Why do I have to carry around five different pairs of fucking headphones to be able to record a podcast? And a dongle. Don't lose your dongle. Don't lose your dongle. Yeah. AirPods thing, like one ear working one day, the next day, the different ear works, but they never both work at the same time. And I don't understand. I never know what I'm going to get one day to the next. I don't know. I don't know what the deal is with that. And it's like, if I start watching a show on TV and I want to finish it on my MacBook Pro, hello, ecosystem. It should just know where I left off. Mm -hmm. And I should be able to press play instead of from the beginning. Let me say, Netflix, Hulu, they all save where you were. You put it on any device and it's like, oh, I have three minutes left of that episode of The West Wing. Sometimes it feels like Apple is that like crappy boyfriend who's trying to just gradually act shittier and shittier until you break up with them. And they're like daring you to do it. And it's like, come on, I know you can be better. Why are you doing this? Um, How many updates do they need to send? Yeah, totally. Okay, that is all the time we have for this very special episode where we solved some of your problems, hopefully, or maybe made them worse. We'll see. Uh, Julissa and Grace, thank you so much for being here. Alyssa, thank you for being my ride or die, per usual. And thanks to all of you listeners. There will be more hysteria for you next week. Hysteria is a Crooked Media production. Caroline Reston is our producer. Our executive producer is me, Aaron Ryan. Alyssa Mastromonaco is our co-producer. And Fiona Pastana is our associate producer. Kyle Seglin and Charlotte Landis are the sound engineers. And our editor is Sarah Gibalaska and the folks at Chapter 4. Thank you to our digital team, Nar Melkonian, Mia Kelman, Milo Kim, and Matt DeGroote. 